Good morning and welcome to Monday Mornings with Margie. Uh, thanks for being here and listening uh, to what we have to share. Uh, I have Karen Mackey here and she will be um, sharing with us uh, what she does for work and then we will be uh, discussing um, the recent uh, SCOTUS ruling on sexual orientation and gender identity uh, being protected under the Civil Rights Act. So Karen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm the executive director of the Sioux City Human Rights Commission. I've been here about 16 years. Um, we're a local civil rights law enforcement agency in um, Iowa. Uh, we, there's actually a state law that any city with a population over 29,000 has to have a human rights commission. They don't necessarily have to have paid staff, but they at least have to have a commission. So there has been a commission here since the 1960s and since the very early 70s, there's been paid staff. So I'm, I think, the fourth director of the Human Rights Commission. We tend to stay here a while once we land in this job. So, <laughs> what we do here then is investigate allegations of discrimination based on a variety of areas, employment, education, public accommodation, housing and credit. But most of the work we do is in employment law. Okay, okay. Um, so I would imagine that the recent ruling um, you know, directly impacts the work you're doing or um, the people you're working with. Um, I know Iowa is a state that was already had uh, protections, but mm -hmm. I know that we spoke about neighboring uh, states that did not have the same kind of protections. And with that, I just want to share um, this map um, that we can speak to um, that, you know, I was even surprised uh, looking at this that all the purple states are states that um, prior to this ruling protected people based on sexual orientation and gender identity. But mm -hmm. any of the gray states had no protections and the other, you know, various shades of people had certain protections, either just for sexual orientation or just for sexual orientation in public employees. So I think it's pretty striking and it's interesting for people to be able to see this. Um, so how does this recent ruling um, uh, affect the work you're doing? And do you want to speak a little bit about the ruling at all? I will. Well, I'll first start with the impact here. Um, we actually live in a tri-state area, so I can travel five minutes and I am either in Nebraska or South Dakota. So a lot of people work in one state, live in another. Mm -hmm. So you could have a scenario of someone who lives in Sioux City, where I work here, where I would, we would have jurisdiction if it was an employment situation, for example, but maybe they worked in, in Nebraska or South Dakota, and if they were fired due to their sexual orientation, actual or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity, but 
they worked in Nebraska or South Dakota, I would have to explain to them that I was very sorry, but there was nothing anyone could do for them. It was perfectly legal to discriminate against them. And sadly, I've had to tell people that more often than I would like, frankly, over the years. So this sort of evens the playing field. Now we don't have this checkerboard of right. employment protection. Sure. Um, so that, that is a good thing. Um, you know, the case was interesting. There were actually three different complaining parties, two gay men and a transgender woman. And actually, um, two of them passed away before um, the decision was rendered. Oh. So um, the three were Gerald Bostick, who had been a longtime child welfare advocate in Georgia. He was a gay man. Mm -hmm. um, and he was fired once he joined a, um, a gay softball league. Mm -hmm. And that became public knowledge. Um, each of these people was terminated simply because of either their sexual orientation or gender identity. So in the case of um, Donald Zarda, he was a skydiving instructor and he had worked for a company for a number of years, had done a good job and casually mentioned he was gay. And that was the end of his employment relationship with that company. And the third individual was Amy Stevens, who had worked um, for a funeral home for a number of years. I think she'd been there about six years. And during the course of that time had been um, undergoing mental health therapy and finally was coming to terms with the fact that she was transgender. And the recommendation for her mental health was that she needed to start presenting as a woman and, and start the process of transitioning. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know the high risk of people in the transgender community of committing suicide, really struggling with a lot of issues regarding their gender identity. Mm -hmm. um, and so this individual did make the decision that she would start presenting as a female. She had a uh, vacation already set up and wrote um, the owners of the business a letter explained that when she returned from vacation, she would be presenting as a female full-time. Mm. And they told her that thing that just wouldn't work out and they fired her. Wow. So it was very clear in all three of these cases that the people were terminated simply because of right. either their gender identity or their sexual orientation. So there were very clear-cut cases in that respect. Um, you know, one of the things I found interesting about the case was who wrote the case? It's Gorsuch. Um, and the chief judge uh, was actually on the prevailing side. As such, Chief Justice Roberts would have had the decision to make about who writes the decision. And that's always a... Um, an interesting little bit of politics. Mm -hmm. Who they, and I think Roberts was sending uh, a message by having Gorsuch write it. Mm -hmm. um, that, I think that was a surprise to a lot of us. Um, 
but it, it also is another way of when you have someone who ordinarily wouldn't be on the side that they've landed on, it solidifies them if they're writing the opinion. Sure, um, sure. So that was an interesting little bit of, of politicking. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, whenever I read a decision, I always um, also read the dissents. Mm -hmm. And um, the dissents were interesting. I, I do have to say that just mm -hmm. whining, a lot of whining, it seemed. Mm -hmm. but, um, but Gorsuch talked about textualist interpretation that you have to, normally you look at um, the meaning of the terms in a law at the time it was enacted. And so the, um, the opinion and the dissents really are an argument about what sex means. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think those of us in the LGBTQ community have understood for a long time that sex is more than your biological gender. Right, right. Um, and that it's a whole constellation of things that make up um, who I am as a female. Sure. And what that means to be female for me. And does that comport with what society thinks about who is a female? And society's view of femininity or masculinity has changed over time. Mm -hmm. um, but anyhow, so, so that's what I found fascinating about, um, about the case really was that's what it turns on really is what, what does sex mean? Right, right. It's interesting because I was, I was looking um, at the Human Rights Campaign uh, website and um, one of the statistics was about half of uh, members of the LGBTQ community uh, do not disclose at work uh, anything about their sexual orientation mm -hmm. uh, or gender identity. Um, and I was thinking about that sort of in the, the larger context of how do we as people manage stress, uh, manage um, mental, our mental health, mm -hmm. uh, manage how to be our best selves or our authentic selves, um, and both the benefits and repercussions, potential repercussions mm -hmm. of living an authentic life. Um, and, you know, so I was thinking mental health perspective wise, um, for many people uh, in this community, including myself, when you're discovering a who you are as a person and going through all the different aspects of identity, um, often what the decision comes to are three separate decisions, options. There's mm -hmm. one of um, sort of choosing to live uh, a disingenuous life or sort of a lie if you want to say it directly. There's uh, choosing to, to live an authentic life as who you are and know you are and then for some people 
uh, there is the choice that neither seems like a good option. And so they make a choice to end their life, which you were talking about as far as trans, you know, it, um, high percentage. And it's the same with LGBTQ, especially youth. Um, there's a high percentage, uh, higher percentage that actually choose to end their life. And so when you think about those options, um, all of them come with a large amount of stress uh, and impact on one's mental health. Yes. I just, I, I wanted to see, hear some of your thoughts around that. You know, I think this decision is, is going to be helpful in the long term because I think it helps alleviate some, but not all of that pain. I was, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking back to when I was first hired into this position. So I've been out since I was 19. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in my 60s. So I've been out a long time. Um, Sioux City is a community of about 83,000 people. So um, it can feel like a very small town at times. Mm -hmm. um, but I had the decision to make when I applied for the job, um, am I going to be my real self? Mm. Am I going to continue to be out as a lesbian? Um, knowing the pitfalls that might lie ahead, um, because at that point, Iowa did not protect people based on sexual orientation or gender identity. And, um, and there have been occasional problems because there are people who make assumptions, um, have their own narrow view of how they view people. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I was also getting that for being Native American, mm -hmm. for being mixed race. So um, it's in some respects, it's kind of all the same. <sighs> but you know, this, this decision does not mean that that's all going to go away, sure. but it means you have a legal framework for or trying to protect yourself if need be. And I think that's going to be so beneficial to people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think about some of the folks I've dealt with over the years who just really struggle to be their authentic selves. And there, there really are those three choices mm -hmm. um, or that's how it feels to people mm -hmm. to be your authentic self, to live a lie or to kill yourself. Um, and sometimes those first two carry with them so much pain that they feel the only way out is to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that is just so sad. I, I think though with uh, the teenagers and people in their young 20s, I, I, I think times are changing mm -hmm. and they are much freer to be their authentic self. Mm -hmm. But that still is a struggle for people, especially people who come from conservative families, um, come from religious backgrounds that are not supportive of LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. It really, it really can be a struggle. It, it's, I have found it shocking um, at times um, the hurtful ways families can, can treat their children I'm a part of um, a grassroots LGBT organization here, Siouxland Pride Alliance. 
and every year in the winter, of course, and we have harsh winters, um, end up dealing with at least a couple of kids who have been kicked to the curb. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember last year there were two girls who were partnered and they had been thrown out and it was like literally the coldest nights in the year. We had a wind chill of like minus 50 Mm -hmm. and they were trying to sleep in their car. Mm -hmm. And thank God though, they had a teacher. One of them had a teacher who she knew was supportive and reached out to that teacher and called him and explained the situation. And his wife is a teacher as well. So they were trying to figure out what to do. Ultimately, they paid for a hotel room for that night for the girls and then um, thought the next day, well, the local gospel mission, they're, they're our homeless shelter, let's take them there. Not knowing that the gospel mission um, will not accept anyone who's LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're turned away at the door and ultimately the two teachers took these two girls in mm-hmm. for about a month while they figured things out. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I don't know what would have happened to those kids if one of them hadn't thought to call her teacher and had her teacher's phone number for whatever reason. Sure. Sure. And one of the things that I, I'm going to do at the end of this podcast, um, and uh and youtube video is to present um resources uh for people because i think it's important for people to know when you are feeling isolated and you are feeling like you have these three decisions and um we really want people not to choose number three you know we want them to really hone in on number two and find the ways that they can be their most authentic self um, and be their best self in their life. But they, people can't do it without supports and knowing that there's resources and knowing there are other people out there that will help them and guide them or understand what they're going through. Um, So it's important for me to put, you know, some of these resources out. Um, so that people know that there are options. Um, and, um, one thing I found for LGBTQ youth is called the Trevor Project. Um, and I hadn't heard of that, but it's, you know, it, it targets, uh, you know, youth who up to age 25, I think, who are struggling with depression and suicide and feeling isolated. So I am going to present um, a list of resources so that, you know, people know that there's help and that there's people out there that care and that they, you know, they have a chance to live a good life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important for people to know. That's good. You know, sexual orientation and gender identity differs from race in one, I think, very important aspect. So I am mixed race. My father's Native American. My mother's white. Um, My parents married in 1954. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't done back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I was, so as I was growing up, I occasionally faced some discrimination or mistreatment by other kids. Um, 
and I, we lived in a part of this community that is very white. Um, when I graduated from high school, I was one of about a dozen minority kids out of 350 students. Wow. Yes. So very white. It's still the whitest part of town here. But so when I would face problems growing up, my father certainly understood. My mother understood. She understood in a different way. Mm -hmm. But she made the choice to marry outside of her race. And so she faced some of the same issues. She understood both, like my entire family understood. Now, my white grandmother, that side of the family really didn't get it, but everyone else in my family understood and could support me and lift me up and tell me not to listen to those idiots. And mm -hmm. I was just fine the way I was. Mm -hmm. When you're an LGBTQ kid, you very likely don't have that in your family. Mm -hmm. So the thing that where I felt apart from my family was as a teenager, knowing I was a lesbian, I wasn't out yet, mm -hmm. but knowing I was a lesbian, it just, um, it caused a rift in my family as something that I created that I just stepped back and was not as involved with my family and was doing things like thinking about suicide, thinking of that third way out because I could mm -hmm. not perceive that I was going to be able to live a life as my real authentic self. So the options were to live a lie or to kill myself. Mm -hmm. um, luckily I decided that killing myself was not an option for me. And ultimately I decided that for my own mental health, I had to be out regardless mm -hmm. of consequences mm -hmm. and eventually my family came along they were mm -hmm. fine mm -hmm. it, it took a while yeah but it was great and 10 years ago when same-sex marriage became legal in Iowa uh, my partner and I married and um, we held it on the weekend that my the native side of my family ordinarily has their reunion their family reunion and so I did that. So that was the family reunion that year. And they were all there. It was a very full church. Uh, my spouse comes from a very large family too. And mm -hmm. she really had issues about, although they all knew she was gay, she didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. It was a don't ask, don't tell thing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately almost everyone in the family was there. We had so many family there. We barely had room for friends. <laughs> Well, and that's and that's that's good. I mean, I think that's what people need to understand is that even when it feels like you're boxed in, that that there are supports and resources, and some of it is about the people who are struggling around you. It takes time for them to adjust and understand and educate themselves. Um, not in every case, we we know that's not in every case, but I think I think it's becoming more of a norm where people may struggle, parents, siblings, family may struggle, but over time they come along. And the other piece is, I think, you know, for some people, their friends become their family. And so, you know, we are born into families, but sometimes those families can't support us 
Um, mm -hmm. I ha I'm fortunate that that's not been my experience, but for people that it, that it is their experience, it's important to know that you can develop and create a new supportive family when that isn't an option within your biological or the, the people who raised you. So I think these are all huge topics and we could probably talk about this <laughs> for a long time. Um, say that again? Yes, probably to go on forever. But family of choice yeah. is a very yeah. important but, support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, I want to, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about this important issue. Um, and, you know, in some ways, very hopeful uh, topic, even though we, you know, we've uh, talked about the struggles. We're also looking at the progress that's being made. Um, and you know, I think we got to focus on both. How do we support the struggle and how do we keep uh, progressing and building more hope for our community? So thank you for the work you do every day and thank you for sharing with me both your professional and your personal life experience today. I think it's helpful for people to hear this. Well, thank you very much for contacting me and allowing me to do this. This has been great and thank you for the work you are doing. Thank you. All right, so we're gonna wrap up Monday mornings with Margie. I hope you all have a great week uh, and be well.